This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. everyone hello uh, merry merry christmas merry merry christmas in november i like to merry call christmas this this period pre-christmas because i listen i respect those of you out there who say no christmas happens after thanksgiving i like to call this time pre-christmas and then okay. there's like four days of thanksgiving and then it's christmas and you spend pre-christmas preparing for like getting the decorations so that they can go up on the first day of Christmas and then you can enjoy all your festivities. Warm it up. Okay, you do an old stretch before the Christmas marathon. That's fair to me. I wouldn't allocate any days for Thanksgiving. Okay. I think Thanksgiving, bad holiday. Um, I think Thanksgiving, so, in principle, bad holiday, but yeah, as... Good food. Food, yeah. I think that's how I count Thanksgiving is how many days the food lasts. Which, you know, four days is about how long. <laughs> Until you're done with the leftovers. Fair. Yeah. Anyway, hi, welcome to the Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. My name is Adam O'Connell. And this episode, we're, talk- we're talking about Christmas and yeah. Jesus and all his good stuff. I was just thinking, Adam, about what, what are we talking about? <laughs> I, I was actually just thinking about what our Christmas special should be this year. It's not going to be this because we're going to talk about exorcisms. Um, yeah, actual Christmas. actual Christmas episode TBA. Um, but like I said, it's November. Um, I was very excited uh, to talk about this topic, and I'm surprised it hasn't come up before. Exorcism and exorcisms and demonic possession, because um, I think exorcisms in horror film are a subject that really kind of blurs the lines between fiction and reality. Um, they're very much a real yeah. thing. Uh, and to be total, okay, a couple things to be totally completely clear about. A, people often associate, uh, especially in horror, these with Catholicism and Christianity. Uh, and we want to emphasize that this concept exists in almost every culture, just some kind of demonic possession or exorcism. But since we're talking about exorcisms in the context of the horror genre, we will be primarily talking about Catholicism because also that's the one that I know most about and it's the one that shows up the most in horror but also also yeah. that's where this episode started and or the research for this episode and where it ended was me doing like a really big deep dive into the intricacies yes. of how to perform an exorcism so that's some knowledge you might have uh by the <laughs> by the end of this episode adam's actually now a certified exorciser yeah Whereas um, I, an employee of Equinox LLC, am a certified exerciser. Hey, crowd goes wild. Everyone throws thank you, thank you. Devin. Woo! <laughs> um, so the, like, the Exorcist is considered to be one of the scariest horror films of all time. Uh, and the trope of demonic possession and exorcism in horror movies has been like a complete titan ever since. Um, but how did we get here? Why does that... 1973's Exorcist exist, and also how much truth is there behind the stories and how accurate is what we see <laughs> in horror movies to a real exorcism. Mm. Um, and like I said, lest we forget that exorcisms are very real things, whether 
the possession right. is real or not. Exorcisms are real things. Uh, so let's find out how accurate some of these films are. Um, okay. I'm so I'm really excited to talk about this. I, I always talk about how, you know, being uh, being raised Catholic. Uh, I <laughs> is that face. Sorry. Sorry. I <laughs> I got a pop up on my desktop. Adam knows this. I got uh, I got razor cat ear headphones, uh-huh. and it's it's an exciting time. <laughs> but I got a pop up that was like, "Hey, this thing is messing with your headphones," and so I closed it. But now it's defaulted to a visualizer setting on the RGBs. So now whenever Adam talks, the the ears react and oh. start lighting up, oh, I don't which like is that. a very fun effect. But I need to turn it off yeah. because it's going to distract a lot. me. Um, okay, there we go. Great. It's turned off. <laughs> Uh, I was say, what I was saying that um, I'm excited to talk about this because I always talk about like how being brought up Catholic, the aesthetics above everything else are right really the best. And Catholicism has a lot to do with talking about blood and demons. Like it's it's not surprising that a lot of Catholics end up being like goths or horror movie fans or witches or whatever. Right. Um, so. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this this topic in relation to Catholicism. Um, Me too. So spirit possession itself, demonic possession or spirit possession, whatever, is a really huge topic that exists in different forms throughout many cultures, uh, religions, and beliefs. Uh, a 1969 study funded by the National Institute of Mental Health uh, found that spirit possession beliefs were found to exist in 74% of a sample of 488 societies in all parts of the world, uh, with the highest numbers hmm. of believing societies in Pacific cultures and the lowest uh, among Native Americans of both uh, North America and South America, which is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. It seems like something that probably Western culture like laundered its own belief of spiritual possession through Native American and American Indian cultures. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like it's an idea that is often portrayed that, like, Native Americans or American Indians, like, do believe in that, but it's just us being like, you guys believe in that, right? Yeah. Hey, y'all. And and in horror, and this is partly because of The Exorcist, the most of the representation of demonic, specifically possession, uh, is Christian, specifically Catholic, Um, which is interesting because the practice of exorcism is somewhat of a black sheep in the Catholic church, depending on what part of the country you're in, like the Catholic church is kind of like, yeah, we do it, but we don't like to talk about the fact that we do. Right. They don't want to make it a spectacle. Yeah. Much like a lot of the modern Catholic church, the actual church is like, yeah, we're uh, like trying to be kind of chill and just kind of be a religion first and like not worry about the rest of it. And then you come to the U S and it's like, Wow, y'all. Y'all are really kind of doing the thing, huh? Yeah. Those and <laughs> people in the rest of the world, these Catholics are just kind of chilling out and being just regular people. Yeah. <laughs> you guys in the U.S. Yeah, are really like going wild, Catholic. huh? Um, and ca- when an exorcism is performed, it's performed privately, discreetly, and very rarely and can only be performed with years of training by special priests. The Catholic Church doesn't even document like how many exorcisms happen within their church in Would a year you? just because they don't – They like. They, it happens. It they don't want to reveal how many <laughs> spirits are freaking possessing people. Yeah, it's, they don't it's want definitely those stats part to be of, out there. It's definitely part of Catholic beliefs. They just don't want to remind you of that because they don't want to turn it into some like demonic spectacle. And I remember being in like 
CCD growing up and being like, okay, this is all cool and stuff. Commandments, sacraments, whatever. I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when are we going to talk about like demons? And hey, y'all, <laughs> I have been of the belief for many years that the the Catholic and various Christian churches could make a bajillion dollars if they just like wrote a new book that was just about the war between heaven and heaven and hell yeah like the lore they have going that you, they don't capitalize on they know that's what people how you want. kids in ccd yeah um so uh according to uh the catholic church there are many signs that you may be possessed so things to watch out for uh one of them is loss or lack of appetite that could be a lot of things yeah i <laughs> you know i wouldn't i probably wouldn't actually put that on a I, you know, <laughs> I think I've, you could talk to your GP, maybe. I think, like, uh, yeah, if you put this, your medication. if you put this into WebMD, like, exorcism is, like, demonic possession is not the first thing that's going to come up. It's going to be on there, but it's not going to be the first thing that comes up. <laughs> you know, it's WebMD. It might be. Well, yeah. no, no, no. The first one's going to be cancer. Yeah. The second one's going to be demonic possession. Uh, so, loss of lack of appetite. Uh, cutting, scratching, and biting of the skin. I feel like now we're kind of getting into more familiar territory. Uh, yeah. A cold feeling in the room, backing it up again, that could really be a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, that could be, you know, your radiator. It's it's November in yeah. New York City, yeah. and so your radiator isn't on yet. Um, unnatural bodily postures and change in the person's face and body. Okay, we we see this uh, in movies. That's called... That's called ha being on the autism spectrum, and it's something I deal with every day. So maybe don't. <laughs> uh, um, I I I feel like their definition of unnatural though is kind of like folding in half like a file folder, which I oh, do. But that's just a Tuesday. Which I do wish I could do, just regardless right. of demonic I, possession. I wish that that was an option for me. Yeah. Like I, if that's what I get from demonic possession. Okay. <laughs> what else are we talking? Like, what are the downsides? It's like, you remember in the, the Charlie the Chocolate Factory remake where yes. you see all the kids at the end, which, by the way, thank God you see all the kids at the end because presumably in the first one, they're all dead. But in the remake, they, you see all the kids at the end and Violet's like blue, but she's like super flexible now because she got juiced and squeezed. And I guess she's like super flexible now. It's like pros and cons. Yep. You are blue and you were a blueberry for a little while there, but now you're like super flexible. <laughs> Let's be clear. Violet, you were Violet. Yeah. And in fact, you still are. But you're also But now you're flexible. very bendy. Um, anyway, uh, number five, uh, the possessed losing control of their normal personality and entering into a frenzy or rage and or attacking others. Uh, again, this is one we see in the movies. Uh, change the person's yep. voice. Supernatural physical strength, not subject to the person's build or age. If you're tossing bed frames, okay. that could be something. Yeah, that's kind of like a, there are two... There are two times in your life when you may be able to lift a car, and it's yeah. when your child is stuck underneath uh -huh. or when you're possessed yeah. by a demon. <laughs> yeah, um, or both at the same time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See your child under the car, get possessed by a demon. <laughs> yeah, lift car. <laughs> lift up the car. Um, uh, speaking in tongues, uh, the person cannot have learned before, so a different language or just straight up speaking in tongues. <laughs> In my super fundamentalist church, we did not speak in tongues. <laughs> I love that guy. Um, I this was always my favorite like thing in uh like exorcisms and demonic possession portrayed in movies is when they start speaking another language. Um, yeah, like 
most of the time it's like Latin or whatever. But what if I just started speaking like French? Right. I, I like the idea of me walking into church, getting possessed by a demon and just going, Ohio, because I must I just yeah. start speaking perfect Japanese. Yeah. Um, knowledge of past events the person cannot have known about. Knowledge of present events the person is not witnessing or having knowledge about and prediction of the future events that become accurate, sometimes through dreams. So any tea so that you I should not know about. <laughs> I was possessed by a demon when I predicted that uh, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, was going to die. Yeah, I remember you telling that story on a previous episode. Oh, trust me, I tell every single person I meet. Um, uh, Levitation and moving uh, of objects or other things. Uh, Expelling of objects, things, or certain animals. I don't know what they mean by expelling. Do they mean like getting it away from you or like expelling it from your person? Like I just produce a dog. Surely that's another... Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I was thinking surely that's just another form of levitation. That That's what I'm thinking. Like, like you go, and the chair flies away, or whatever. Yeah, you have to make but that no, noise. Maybe it is. You <laughs> legally. I do think. I think maybe you're right. Maybe you do give birth to an ottoman. You know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> thinking of the Turkey, the 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 Turkey Vitel, <laughs> the whole ottoman, the whole up, ottoman up my pooper. <laughs> anyway, uh, I. I'm really not. They're not making the argument for not wanting to be possessed. Yeah. Um, intense hatred or aversion and violent reaction towards all religious objects or items and, uh, uh, anti, antipathy, 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 antipathy towards entering a church, speaking Jesus's name or hearing scripture. Uh, any one or combination of those is a sign that you could be possessed. Or that you left the church for, you know, (laughs) personal moral reasons and you just don't really want to go to church anymore. Uh, so let's say that you uh, ha- you check off maybe like seven of these boxes and you go, oh, I yeah, might be Adam, possessed. Adam, I've been <laughs> I've been birthing various living room furniture. Okay. I can speak perfect, and I mean perfect Egyptian. And mm. I also and not like modern. I can speak ancient Egyptian. Oh, okay. Um, and I have predicted that the Queen of England is going to die. So. <laughs> I am possessed, and what do I do? Okay, so uh, you're probably going to want to go get exercised. Uh, And in Catholicism, there's actually two types of exorcisms, a minor or simple exorcism and a major or real exorcism. Okay, two problems. Yeah. (laughs) One, I would describe any any exorcism as not simple. Yeah. If there... if there's a kind of possession that can be solved by a simple exorcism, I'm starting to think that this may be a, a medically <laughs> unnecessary procedure. Yeah. This is more of a, you know, getting your appendix out without it, without having signs of appendicitis. Oh, know? okay. At that point, though, it's just a precautionary measure. This is a precautionary <laughs> exorcism. You're not possessed yet, case. but we'd like to exercise you anyway. Um... Uh, this is according to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, minor exorcisms happen almost every day for people preparing to be baptized, uh, in which a series of prayers are told to cast any demons oh. out before the baptism. Uh, you know, okay. making sure you don't have any bats in your belfry or whatever. Uh, That's the saying, sure. Yeah. <laughs> is that it? Um I, Adam, I have no idea. <laughs> and then major exorcisms are what we think of uh, when we think of an exorcism and are a rite that can only be performed by a bishop or a priest with the express permission of a local ordinary. You can't just go around exercising people all willy-nilly. 
you, I, they'll put you behind bars for that. Yeah. Um, so Catholic exorcists are specially selected and trained, and there are not a lot. Uh, the International Association of Exorcists is an organization of trained and licensed exorcists formed in 1990. And by the year 2000, they only had about 200 members. Um, is this a, this is a kind of a para group to the Catholic, like did the, is, is no, the it's an officially recognized Catholic organization. Okay. Cause I thought it was just a bunch of people from the Catholic church who had been trained in exorcism were like, we should form like a little group. We should like <laughs> no, this is, they're together. like a conference and, uh, they apparently they, from what I read, they get together once or a couple times a year and they talk about the exorcisms that they have performed, uh, and sometimes they do retranslations of the exorcism, right? There was a retranslation in the past, like, 10 years, I think I mentioned in the outline somewhere when that was. Um, but they've got important yeah. exorcist stuff to do, evidently. Um, I, you know, <laughs> one debatable. Of, one of the most well-known uh, Catholic exorcists is Father Gary Thomas, uh, the 57-year-old pastor at Sacred Heart Parish in Saratoga, California. He's one of only about 50 Catholic exorcists in the United States. Um, and he's well known not only for being an active exorcist, but a consultant for a lot of films and television shows that are about demonic possession okay. and exorcism, uh, specifically like The Right, which was released in 2011 starring Anthony Hopkins, which is loosely based on a book that's based on Father Thomas's life. Um, and you Internet people may recognize him from multiple episodes of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Uh, he's oh, no. consulted with the hosts uh, multiple times, famously when they went to investigate the Sally House. He's kind of like the exorcist to the stars. Not like exercising stars, but like. <laughs> and not, yeah, not like. Although maybe yeah, he is, we don't know. Not an exorcist for the stars. Yeah. An exorcist to the stars. And also not, again, an exorcist to the stars a la Richard Simmons. Yeah. Uh, may, uh, maybe he is ex exorcising celebrities, though. We would ne We would have no way of knowing. We would never, the publicist wouldn't let that get out. Yeah. Um, according to an interview in 2011, Father Thomas had performed 40 exorcisms on seven people in the past five years. And this is an interesting misconception. You don't just do one exorcism, usually. It's going to take a couple of tries to get that demon out of there. Listen, listen. We know that these, these, you know, these vampire facials, they don't work right away. This electrolysis, yeah. you know, you're not going to get rid of all your facial hair in one go. It's going to take a few sessions to get this demon off your face. Yeah. Um, Father Thomas says that most of his work is in investigating possible demonic possessions and determining whether or not people actually need to be exercised. And most of the time the answer is no, evidently. Uh, but sometimes it is okay. yes. And that is why we have exorcists. Um, so... According to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, here is how to perform an exorcism. Um, Thank God. Uh, Finally, we're getting Get there. out your notepads. Uh, okay. So we've determined that Devin needs to be exorcised. Uh, we've uh, established the, the parameters we need to find a licensed exorcist. Uh, and time to boogie down with this, with our bad selves. Let's boogie down. <laughs> um, and we're, but we're not boogieing with the demon because the demon's not going to be welcome to boogie right. after we're done right, right right um so if you check off some or all of those boxes listed above congratulations you are possessed uh first of all make sure you're, you have a licensed exorcist to perform the exorcism 
Uh, it should be performed yeah. in a discreet location, such as an oratory or a small chapel. Uh, the possessed. If you happen to be in a big chapel, you'll you'll you need, need to a find smaller a smaller one. one. Yeah, the possessed's home may also be used as a last resort, uh, but it is to the exorcist's advantage to quote utilize a place dedicated to God's honor. I guess ideally, you would want the demon to fly out and go, "Oh no, big cross," and then fly away. <laughs> yeah, but like. I would like to think that my house is is a place dedicated to God's honor. Personally. I was in your house an hour ago. No, it is not. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, no need to be rude. I think, you know, the the Catholic Church may think differently, but maybe we just have a different idea of yeah. what God's honor is, you know? Um, you should This made me chuckle a little bit when I read it. You should try to obtain the possessed consent if possible, but understandable if they cannot be reached at this time. <laughs> we're sorry the party you've been trying to reach is not available at this time i i'm glad that they established that consent is important yeah i don't like that they also kind of leapfrog that and to be like but don't let that stop you you exercise that baby yeah um you should also evaluate the person's culture and personality to attempt to determine how they got possessed. Evidently, in the end, that's not particularly important how they got possessed, besides for preventative because, measures in the future. Right. We're worried about, you know, the spiritual health of the client, yeah. not so much the cultural. Yeah. Um, maybe they practice witchcraft, Satanism, Check. New Age Check. religion, divination, Check. or Reiki. Check. The website says Reiki. I don't do Reiki. <laughs> I didn't realize Re- I I thought Reiki was sort of like an acupuncture sort of deal. I didn't realize that it it was to the list of red flags. <laughs> it's a new TikTok trend. I I have you seen the the TikTok videos of the people that do Reiki? There's this one woman who does it. She has the pulling stuff, and I'm mesmerized every time that I watch it. Adam, have I told you about the time I uh, a Reiki skeptic had Reiki performed on me? No. And uh, the person decided halfway through that I, they couldn't do Reiki on me because they, I just, I, your vibes like, are too nope, bad. It's not working. <laughs> your vibes you know, are too my bad. My vibes are rank, and I, they couldn't do any Reiki on me. Well, maybe, maybe, it, it, maybe that was what put the demon in you. Um, maybe I'm, or maybe I'm a true person of God. I can't be possessed, and that's why Reiki doesn't <laughs> yeah. work on me. So. Uh, in 1999, the Vatican issued a revised exorcism rite, which replaced the original that dated back to 1614. And did a retranslation. That's good. Um, Get some updates. You remember, like, you remember how then they retranslated the Catholic Mass? Is the same thing, um, right? It's kind of like Second Vatican. They were like, you know, we've been doing these. We, we've been doing masses in Latin. We've been doing exorcisms in Latin. We should really be doing vernacular exorcisms. Yeah, common. <laughs> should be really speaking in common. Um, <laughs> Uh, the exorcist dresses in his surplice what and if, a purple What stole. if you're getting exercised? What if you're getting possessed by a demon and you start to speak like gnomish? Oh, or, like or a fantasy abyssal. language? <laughs> yeah. Even better. Um, the exorcist will dress in his surplice and a purple stole. I always forget that Ooh. Catholic stuff is color-coded. Uh, yeah. And I appreciate that. Uh, he wears his advent stole. Yeah. That's interesting. Um. The ritual is mostly a series of prayer statements and appeals. It is kind of similar to the stuff you'd see in the movies, but usually less explosive as there is less screaming from the priest uh, than there is in the movies. Uh, okay. There does tend to be screaming there from the client, I suppose. The cl- client? Well, Possessed? the client. I like the, fr- the word client because it could imply that your client is the possessed or the possessor. 
Yeah. Maybe the demon is your client and you're trying to show them out. You would, you'd imagine, you know, when you pick a priest <laughs> to do your exorcism, you want them to be a calming presence yeah. in the room. Like a wedding planner. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there are some videos on YouTube of priests performing exorcisms. Uh, if you are interested, be warned. Some of them are kind of intense. Uh, but I they, would imagine. They are pretty interesting. Um, these prayers are loosely broken down into what's called the imploring formula in which the priest asks God to free the subject from the devil saying, God, whose nature is ever merciful and forgiving, except our prayer that the servant is that this servant of yours bound by the fetters of sin may be pardoned by your loving kindness. Uh, and then the imperative formula in which the priest demands in the name of God, that the devil leave the subject's body. Uh, and he says, depart then impious one, depart accursed one. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. This I started is what thinking, the priest yeah. told me when I wasn't invited back for confirmation. I started thinking about getting a welcome mat for the inside of my house that just says that. Sorry, <laughs> let me read it again. Uh, depart then, impious one. Depart, accursed one. Depart with all your deceits, for God has willed that man should be his temple. Again, if anyone I, would like know, to make me a welcome mat that says that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people thought that the new farewell message at Disneyland was a bit... <laughs> harsh and I, I don't agree I think it's nice I love depart impious one depart accursed one <laughs> I like depart with all your deceits yeah. as if you would leave a deceit behind yeah I do genuinely uh as a person who who for all my jokes uh genuinely respects and kind of loves personal spirituality mm -hmm. the idea of asking God to be like I, I feel like portrayed in movies it's like Oh, the priest is like invoking the power of God to like smite the demon and get him out. Mm -hmm. But the idea of a priest being like, yo, God, I like this person. They're a chill person. Hey, we all sin sometimes. All of us has demons in us at some point. Yeah. Could you do a little solid for us and get this demon out? Yeah. This person loves being a cool guy who loves God. <laughs> get this demon out of him. But then he gets He to just wants to go to the cracker barrel without the the Everybody asking him to leave because he starts speaking in Italian. <laughs> Crawling on the ceiling above all those lovely knickknacks. <laughs> um, uh, it's so annoying when a Cracker Barrel customer gets possessed because yeah. they start knocking down Stuff all the, the novelty, the, all, the, all the wagon wheels yeah. and the pin puzzles. They're all over the floor. Um, there are also times during the rite where the priest will sprinkle holy water on everyone in the room, uh, lay his hands on the subject, make the sign of the cross on both himself and the subject, or touch the subject with a Catholic relic. That's usually a cross or rosary, but I guess it could be other stuff. I would be pissed if I was possessed by a demon and being exercised and I didn't get touched with a cool relic. Imagine being <laughs> possessed by a demon and you get to be touched by like the finger of St. John. Yeah. That'd be sick. I imagine that it's a gentle touch, but I do like the idea of just <laughs> whacking somebody <laughs> with a cross. Bam. Wait, wait, two things, two things. One, whack a person with the finger of St. John. Finger of St. John snaps in half. It's yeah. so old. It's so crumbled. Yeah. Now you got a broken dang relic. But also, exorcisms are really just kind, uh, gentle touch, <laughs> kind, kind observation, observation aren't yeah. they? Um, but I do like the the idea of just absolutely whacking somebody on the head with a, with a crucifix. Um, Whack. So uh, Malachi Martin, who is a Jesuit priest and a self-proclaimed but not official exorcist, which is the sketchiest combination of wow. words I could possibly imagine. 
Uh, he also offered additional information on the right in his book, Hostage to the Devil. Uh, it is not endorsed by the Vatican, and he is considered to be a controversial figure in the Catholic Church. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, I wonder why. Also, wild to, uh, like, I get the idea of talking about the right of exorcism and calling your book Hostage to the Devil, but it sounds like the name of, a, like, a memoir if you were possessed like yeah. this is his tell-all yeah. talking about how he actually is possessed um so he kind of splits up the the exorcism into six stages uh and the way that the demon breaks down the first is the presence uh the exorcist and his assistants become aware of an alien feeling or entity uh two hey guys <laughs> what's up welcome back to the youtube channel this is the demonic breakdown <laughs> um, it just sounds like a bad yeah. YouTube show. Uh, two is pretense attempts by the evil spirit to appear and act as the victim uh, to be seen as one and the, and the uh. same person. Uh, the exorcist's first job is to break this pretense and find out who the demon really is. Naming the demon is the most important first step. I'm curious as to why it is very important to learn the demon's name. Uh, you know, other than common courtesy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, Adam, I'm actually, this is so exciting for me. Yeah. Uh, as a person uh, who is usually just the goofer on this podcast, uh, names are just like, uh, they're apparently very powerful in Catholicism. So like being able to invoke the name of a, of a thing gives you power over it. Uh. That's why probably a demon possessing you wouldn't want to say Jesus's name because like names hold power. You kind of like in Percy Jackson <laughs> when you say Zeus and like the, the sky thunders a yeah. little bit. That's like the idea. But also, I, <laughs> the thing is, just saying demon, you know, you're, what if the demon doesn't know that you're addressing them? Yeah. What if the demon is like, oh, he's probably talking about that other guy in the room that's also possessed, <laughs> and they don't even know it. Oh, But okay. if you go, you know, Baphomet, get out of there. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, next this is, is the- awkward. I thought you were referring to... <laughs> I thought you were refer- referring to Mephistopheles over there. Um, next is the break point, the moment where the demon's pretense finally collapses. Uh, a scene of extreme panic and confusions accompanied by a crescendo of so abuse, awkward. horrible sights, noises, and smells. The demon begins to speak of the possessed victim in the third person instead of as itself. It's always so awkward when you, you know, you kind of catch the demon. Because first you're like, you know... The demon's like, no, I'm definitely Debbie. I, I'm i Debbie. I love God. I'm not possessed. And then you're like, oh, yeah, where were you last Saturday? And and the person goes, oh, I was out with my husband, Bill. And you're like, your husband's name isn't Bill. Your husband's name is Glenn. And then the demon has to be like, ooh, <laughs> Sorry. awkward. I guess you caught me. Ah, well, dang. I mean, next is the voice, which is another sign of the break point. The voice is inordinately disturbing and human, hu- humanely, humanly distressing Babel. Uh, the demon's voice Babel? is, uh, I think it's Babel. Uh, like Tower of Babel. Yeah. Uh, the, the demon's voices must be is, silenced for the exorcism to proceed. Ah, this is when the demon goes on on a stage in front of four chairs that are facing away from the demon, <laughs> and the demon starts to speak. And if any of the coaches want, any of these four priests wants the demon on their team, they press a button and their chair does a yeah, little yeah, yeah. spin. Um, next is the clash. 
Oh, I love yeah. them. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Uh, as the voice dies out, there is a tremendous pressure, both spiritual and physical. The demon has collided with, quote, the will of the kingdom. Uh, the exorcist, locked in battle with the demon, urges the entity to reveal more information about itself, and the exorcist's holy will begins to dominate. As mentioned above, this is getting a little... <laughs> this is sick. This is so cool. Uh, as mentioned above, there is a direct link between the entity and place, as each spirit wants a place to be. For such spirits, habitation of a living victim is preferable to hell. Understandable, quite frankly. Underst- do do the priests ever offer this demon kind of uh, like, hey, I get that we're trying to heal this this client uh, who is like possessed by the demon, but maybe the demon just like really feels bad and wants to like go back to not being a demon. Like if you're like, hey, bro, you get out of Glen, I'll I'll talk to the big guy. You can just go up there. I thought like, you were going to say it. that, like, maybe the priest is like, hey, if you get out of Glen, you got a, you got a body right here, friend, <laughs> pal. <laughs> hey, baby, I got a perfect body right here. Come, um, come into my holy kingdom. I you think, know what I mean? I think that's what Midnight Mass is about, but I don't know. I haven't finished it. Um, then finally. This is an anime idea. An exorcist trademark, 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 goes trademark. around. <laughs> trademark, trademark, trademark. Exorcist priest goes around getting demons out of people's bodies, but he brings them all into himself. But because he has such a powerful divine will, he can keep them all at bay, but then he can release them and <laughs> do all cool. It's kind of cool magic. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and finally, expulsion. In a supreme triumph of God's will, the spirit leaves in the name of Jesus and the victim is reclaimed. All present feel the presence. You took on kind of a, <laughs> you took on kind of an evangelist yeah. uh, tempo there. That was nice. Uh, all present feel the, the presence dissipating sometimes with receding noises or voices. The victim may remember the ordeal or may have no idea what has happened. <laughs> the demon would, gets out and he goes smell you later <laughs> would you like to remember being possessed or would you prefer to forget about it I think it would be really I think it'd be useful to to forget about it because what if the demon like robbed a convenience store okay and I could yeah. go to the police and be like I don't remember yeah, ah, <laughs> yeah. dang um so remember how earlier I said we were going to talk about it in context of the film, but actually just kidding, I got way too involved in, uh, yep, yep. <laughs> in yep, how yep, exorcisms yep. work. Uh, we're going to talk about one film, and that film is The Exorcist, uh, because that kind of... Do you, Adam, <laughs> uh, sorry, I need to stop you here. Do you think that this is an appropriate film to talk about with this? Like, there are there any other films that possibly could fit the episode title exorcisms more than something like the exorcist it seems like a bit too honestly, removed. honestly it was between this and the exorcism of emily rose uh because that one is based on a real exorcism although this one is also uh but anyway so i i picked the exorcism because a it's the exorcism and b the exorcist rather and b yeah, yeah. because it kind of bridged the gap between uh like exorcisms as like being mystified in the Catholic church and becoming part of pop culture. So, uh, released in 1973, directed by William uh, Friedkin and written for the screen by William Peter Blatty based on his 1971 novel of the same name. Exorcist is a book like many good horror movies. It was a book first. Uh, the film follows the exorcism of a 12-year-old girl by two Catholic priests. Uh, she is possessed by the demon Pazuzu, uh, who is the Great name. ancient Mesopotamian king of the demons. Pazuzu, not invented for the movie, real cultural figure, uh, after using a Ouija Sick. board. Uh, and Ouija boards are discouraged by the Catholic Church for this very reason, that it might 
invite a demon inside of you. Uh, and interestingly, a lot of exorcism films will use non-Christian entities or demons as a thing that possesses the subject and then use the power of God to to get rid of that non-Christian demon. Wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is also the the fact that not only uh, especially in the in the Tanakh and in the and in the Old Testament, there are a lot of non-Jewish uh, uh, demons or mm-hmm. or entities, not a lot because you don't get a lot in general. But there are entities that are specifically divine or not human that are not Yahweh or like uh, what's his wife's Asherah. Mm-hmm. Like, so it actually kind of makes sense that they're like that there would be an entity like Pazuzu described in the Bible because like you would want people reading your book back two thousand years ago. To be like, I know that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hear people talking about him in Babylon all the time. Yeah. I guess Pazuzu's a safe choice for for a demon. <laughs> Pazuzu's a safe choice. Yeah. Um, it is one of the few films with documented reports of uh, what's known as cinematic neuroses, which I think we talked about in another episode, like Splatter or something, uh, yeah. which is like an active, like negative brain response triggered just by watching a film uh, or a neg- negative physical response uh, with people reporting fainting, vomiting and heart attacks. These are mostly spurred by two different scenes. Uh, the cerebral uh, angiography, uh, angiography, Angiography? I'm going to say angiography. Angiography? Yeah. Yeah. The cerebral angiography scene and the crucifix masturbation scene. Both, I imagine, for two very different reasons. Uh, (laughs) Really polar opposite reasons. Uh, But actually, the angiography scene is one of the most controversial in the movie, to much surprise. It is so, and this is the Hmm. scene, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a scene where they're scanning Reagan's brain and they insert the needle into the back of her neck so that they can like photograph her, like the blood vessels in her brain or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Um, But it's so, her neck like, it's like, it's so disturbing and realistic, uh, like of the actual procedure that people said it should be cut from the film. And it's actually used by radiologists, uh, in like training, Hell yeah. uh, before they, they don't do it like that anymore. Uh, when they were, uh, when they still use this kind of cerebral, cerebral angiography, they use this for training. Uh, and people have said to this day that it's hmm. one of the most accurate depictions of medical procedure in any movie ever, which is nice. so weird. Um, it was also rated R instead of X, which it should have been, uh, allowing many children to see yeah. the film with their parents or older siblings. Uh, the studio convinced the MPAA to give it an R rating so a wider audience could see it, citing the fact that there was no sex or nudity, so it didn't need an X rating. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Like, when we're talking about very specific scenes that did apparently cause people, like, actual harm, that you're like... You're like, listen, MPAA, the, we want the most people to be able yeah. to see these great scenes. Also, there's no boobies, so what are you in a fuss about? There's not a single booby in this film. Yeah. It's just Pazuzu. Yeah. Are you going to say no to Pazuzu? <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> are you going to say no to Pazuzu? <laughs> Look at him. The camera pans yeah. to the side of the room. Pazuzu has his legs crossed and <laughs> sitting very politely. Um... But it became the highest grossing R-rated horror film of all time until the release of It in 2017, adjusted for inflation and stuff. Um, So if we look at our signs of possession, 
Many, if not all of the signs that we talked about are displayed in the film, of course, with some embellishments. Uh, head twisting all the way around and crawling on the ceiling are not typically reported with in real life exorcisms, but don't count it out, I guess. Um, yeah, don't. Yeah. Uh, but like stuff like levitation, uh, like cuts appearing on the skin are all things that were already part of kind of like the canon of what a, an exorcism might look like or a demonic possession might look like. Um, but then hmm. also art imitates life, which imitates art, because now when we think about like, oh, what does a possessed person look like? We think of the exorcist. Um, so now right. even those things that weren't part of the original idea of what demonic possession looked like uh, because of the exorcist, we now think of it. Uh, we now associate those things with with demonic possession. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, if there are some uh, accounts of more modern exorcisms where some of the stuff that was not typical exorcism behavior before the exorcists happened because there are some, you know, hey, Let's grant that some people are being possessed by demons and having real exorcisms that actually expel a demon. I'm just saying that some of those people might have just seen the exorcist and thought, hey, that seems chill. I want I want a priest to do that to me. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, the original novel was uh, partly based on the exorcism of Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim, both pseudonyms for the same kid in the late 1940s. Uh, the 14 year old boy was accused of demonic possession and the exorcism was recorded by attending priest Raymond J. Bishop. We actually talked about him briefly in the Ouija episode because he was also uh, believed to be possessed after using a Ouija board. Uh, and during his exorcism, there were reports of floating furniture, attacks on the on Bishop, uh, marks of words just evil and hell appealing on Roland Doe's body and the mattress like shaking seemingly without yeah, him they doing also- it. <laughs> Yeah, the word red rum also appeared yeah. on his stomach, and they were like, what does this mean? And then they held him up to a mirror, and they were like, ah. Um, and uh, so when we see a lot of these in The Exorcist, which were created by Dick Smith, who is an awesome uh, special effects and makeup artist. Uh, he, Great name. He built uh, the famous pea soup vomiting rig. Uh, and uh, Pea soup vomiting rig is my drag name. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Please stage. Please welcome to the stage, the famous <laughs> PC vomiting rig. Um, uh, and it really, like, it scarred people for, like, generations. There are reports of people waiting, because the film came out in, like, January, you know, when you're supposed to release movies. Um, There are reports of people waiting in, like, six-degree weather to see it for, like, a- another time. Like, they had already seen it, but people were crowding at. There were riots outside of movie theaters because not enough screens were playing it. Uh, and people wanted to see this movie. Yeah, hey, there weren't any boobs in it, and everybody's favorite <laughs> yeah. person, Pazuzu, was there, and so, of course, they wanted and to see it. people still talk about it as the scariest horror film of all time, and one of the, just the best films of all time, um, which says a lot about, like, you know, American perception of, of fear and also of demonology. Yeah. Um, it also just says a lot about how gnarly and radical and amazing this movie is. Oh, yeah, but it also speaks to the fact that people are dying for this Catholicism lore. Yeah. Let's get that book out there. Um, and it opened the door wide open for films like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is based on the real-life exorcism of uh, Annelise Michel, which we don't even have time to talk about. Uh, the Conjuring, Paranormal Activity, The Omen, and like countless others, they kind of all started with... The Exorcist kind of opened the door for demonic possession in film as we know it today. Uh, and that is You're where I, ha- I legally have to stop talking or else <laughs> this will be a four hour long episode. Well, hey, 
Thanks for listening to episode 76 of The Great American Scream. If you enjoyed, please leave a rate and review on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. Tell a friend about the show. Adam, can you pimp our social medias, please? Uh, yes, you can check us out on Facebook at The Great please, American Scream. Please, Adam. Yeah? Please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> can I? <laughs> okay. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook at The Great American Scream or much more frequently frequently on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Great Scream Pod. Uh, are you possessed? Let us know. <laughs> or Are you possessed? Don't come to us. Send us your favorite. Yeah, we're not licensed. Send us your favorite uh, demonic possession and exorcism films. Uh, you can tweet at us or post using the hashtag TGAS. And as always, if there is something you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet at us or make a post because your suggestion may become a topic for a future episode. Yes, special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo for doing the intro disclaimer and Stevie Viola for doing the intro and outro music. You can find him on Twitter and YouTube. And a super special... Uh, thank you, shout out, uh, little kisses blown on the wind to uh, all of our patrons in the Man in the Fields tier or higher. Thank you to Regina, Ben, Gail, Joyce, Melinda, and Chris. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam McConnell. And hopefully you have been spooked. All right, depart, impious ones. <laughs> depart, depart, accursed ones. <laughs> Tell Pazuzu I said hi. Hi.